and you have to do it. You have to commit and come at it with everything in you. That doesn't mean disregarding everything outside of you, disregarding work and disregarding your family and all that kind of stuff. But you're going at this with all you've got. And it has to be that way because you know the pressure that, that depression can push against you. It's not like a, it's not a small step. So you've got to you got to clobber this thing with everything you've got from every angle. Dealing with depression and anxiety? Who is winning, you or them? What if you had a playbook full of healing, coping, and life-giving strategies at the ready? Would you feel more supported, more hopeful? Hello, hotties. Welcome to the weekly podcast for people craving a sense of connectedness, a dose of empathy, a glimpse of the way forward, and an opportunity to engage. Our guest today is Zach Rutledge, who is an ACE certified personal trainer, an ACE certified nutrition specialist, and a certified brain health trainer through the Functional Aging Institute. I don't have any certification. I'm not a. I'm not Nothing an ACE. Nothing like that. I'm not an ACE at anything. Uh, you're an ACE. And and Zach also has a black belt in karate. He's oh practiced gosh. yoga for almost a decade and has played in a punk band for years. He's basically he's my, the coolest. He's my imagined alter ego, right? Like brain certified specialist and a punk rocker. That's, I love it. And mm-hmm. he's pursuing his clinical psychology degree. So he's, he's pretty awesome. He's also the author of the official depression relief playbook, real life strategies from a guy who has lived it. And this book shares about his own depression and anxiety, which was triggered by grief that sent him spiraling downward as a young adult. And more importantly, how he created a set of winning strategies to take on his mental health challenges from from every angle. And as he says, conquer them. Yeah. Stay tuned to find out how you can defeat your demons with Zach's D-Day approach. Enjoy this uplifting, laughter-filled conversation and pick up a new perspective that might just change everything for the better. We do talk a little about the tough stuff of depression, nothing too graphic, but take care of yourself. If you feel things come up for you, reach out and get help. Whether it's a friend, a professional counselor, or a helpline like the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and that number is 800-273-8255. It's easy to find online. Just take good care of yourself because we love you. But before we get started, we'd like to ask you to take just a minute to leave us a comment or review. Pop over to Podchaser, iTunes, or our website and let us know what we're doing right, what you want more of, and or what others might find valuable in these conversations. We make this podcast straight from our hearts, and we don't make you listen to advertising, so it would mean a lot to hear from you. Go to podchaser.com slash here together to leave us a five-star rating. It's easy, it's fun, and it will make you feel really good. Okay. The cats are secure? Check. Really? That's a first. Yeah. They're they're like chilled out, napping. It's all good. Okay. It's what we it's what we dreamed about. Aw, that's so nice. And the tape is rolling? Check. Caffeine at optimal levels? I would like some more caffeine, but that's not what's happening right now. So <laughs> we'll give it a provision a check mark uh, with an asterisk. Yeah, a good enough, but not quite good enough. And the microphones are hot? Check. We We are here here together. together. 
Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Rocket Feather Podcast. N- no, it's not the Rocket Feather Podcast. It hasn't been the Rocket Feather Podcast for, for months. A, a year. For a year. <laughs> this is the Here Together Podcast. I'm Charles Matthews. I'm Kelly Robears. And we're with Zach Rutledge, who's joining us from New Jersey with a big old smile on his face. You guys don't get to see the video of these podcasts, but we do. And that's just our little, we keep yeah. that for ourselves. That's our payment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for joining in a sec. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's an honor. I really appreciate it. You bet. And as we, you know, as we said in the intro, Zach is uh, an author of a book about depression, the depression playbook. And we're going to talk a little bit more about why he chose that, that title, why he called it a playbook. But before we get into that, before we get into the book, before we get into talking about depression and your really really personal experience with it and your really personal approach towards helping others. We've got uh, our, our standard question. Yeah, for we go all the way back to the beginning and find out what 10 year old Zach wanted to be when he grows up. 10 year old Zach probably wanted to be a ghostbuster. Nice. Um, yeah. So I think it was like a scientist at that time because that was the closest thing that I knew to a ghostbuster. <laughs> uh, and, and then, um, from there, it was pretty much a big question mark that la- that lasted until right now. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's nice when answers arrive and they do on their own time, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's um, I stopped looking. and I just started kind of listening. And now it, it's kind of uh, finally huh. pushing me in the right direction. Yeah. You stopped looking and you started listening. Yeah. 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 Can you yeah. say more about that? Yeah, sure. So, uh, do you guys, are you guys familiar with the, the Myers-Briggs test? Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyone who's not, it's, it's based off of like these, uh, Carl Jung principles, right. And created by Myers and Briggs. And the idea is you have these, um, different personality types and you, you essentially have these, uh, different combos of, of four different letters. So, so I'm an ENFP, right? But it could be uh, the other side of that would be ISTJ. Okay. Now it doesn't really matter what those mean and you can look those up, but the first letter is extrovert or introvert and then so on. Right. So you can be any combos that gives you 16 different combos. And this is based in psychology. And it was really funny. The first time I took one of these tests, it was just, it was just labeled as a, um, career test. It was when I had first gone to college, it was like, what, what do you want to do to help then this test will help you figure it out? And it was, it was a Myers-Briggs test. And it brought together all these things like marine biology, screenwriter, psychologist. These things have nothing in common, right? <laughs> or, or so, or so you think, right? Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's really weird. They have nothing in common, but these are the classes I'm taking right now, just because I'm interested in them. And I'm a scuba diver, like there's no way this test could have known that because it didn't ask me a single thing about fish or, or <laughs> if I scuba dive, right? Like, so I, I and, and ENFPs, I promise you, I'm getting to my point. I tend to, I, be, I tend to talk all, in stories. You're all good. That's you're what in that's the what right place. That's what we're here <laughs> for. Okay, good. So ENFPs tend to think in potential they don't tend to think in what is right now or what was or really reality. They think in what can be, right? So I was thinking, what can be, what can be, what can I do? And I would tend to go on these tangents and I'll get really far ahead of myself. Right. And I would kind of like build these tunnels out and I was um, with some success. I was doing 
video production for a good while. I was, I put my couple TV shows on the air and I was doing, you know, a good amount of stuff. And then I was following these other paths because th this test told me I would be good at these things. Right. And I'd taken other Myers-Briggs tests since then, and they all came up the same. And I was really just firing towards them, firing towards them. And then this was honestly COVID. When that hit, and I lost my video production job, and I was still doing personal training, and, I, and I'm a, a fitness nutrition specialist also, and I was taking clients privately. And I was kind of in that, that mindset of just pause, because I knew, I knew video production wasn't going to work anymore, the way everything was just changing. And I just paused and I said, okay, why am I doing this um, nutrition stuff online? Because we were talking about stuff and it wasn't nutrition. These clients were talking about other mm -hmm. things, right? Which, so I followed that feeling and that was what eventually, I just said, I, I'm not going to push myself, push myself, push myself. I'm going to let it come to me. And it, it was really those connections that I made I just kind of connected some dots, really. It sounds weird, but I connected some kind of like emotional dots in me. And I said, oh, I should probably be working with people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, it just, it was very organic. Just yeah. like writing the book. It was very like, it, it, I just turned 40 not too long ago. And I, I decided to make a lot of changes in my life. And I, one of them was, I'm, I'm going to stop forcing things. I'm going to let I'm just going to kind of feel things out. I'm going to trust my gut more, which is actually a good idea for ENFPs. So I'm, I'm trusting my gut more. Yeah. What, what were you listening to? Yeah, I'll let people think I'm a weirdo. So when I was um, from the ages of 10 to 18, I did karate, right? So this is going to sound crazy to a lot of people. And we did this thing called, they called it dropping your center. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to get too far into that. But what I essentially did was... You said, what was I listening to? Mm -hmm. I was listening to right around my belly button. And it wasn't like talking to me, but it was like, it was just this feeling. I, I don't know how else to put yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I know I'll, that I'll, sounds I'll, weird. No, I'll, I'll, join, I'll join you in craziness, Zach. It's, you know, I get messages from rocks and trees and I know that they don't talk to me, but mm -hmm. I get information when I listen in front of rocks and trees. Mm -hmm. So it's, it doesn't, uh -huh. I don't, I don't question it too much. I don't try and figure it out. I don't. I don't fetishize a particular rock or a particular tree, um, but I know I know how to put myself in a state that will receive information mm -hmm. in those in those ways. So I'm guessing that's some you know dropping your center is is how you learned to put yourself in a state where information could come to you. Essentially, yeah, yeah that's great. That's great. I don't know what we were going to talk about. It was we were going to talk about depression in a book that you wrote, but I think we're just going to keep. <laughs> <laughs> talking about woo-woo craziness. No, we really, really appreciate your openness and honesty in it and vulnerability. And it's a, it's a characteristic in your book. And it, and looking back to when you reached out to be on this pod and you and I had a pre-call, I think it's just that characteristic is what has drawn me to talking to you. Cause there's plenty of people with, with books out there. There's plenty of people with the, like, I'm a personal trainer and a yoga instructor, and I'm going to tell you how to run your life. There's plenty of people with that with that story out there, but I think you're gushing here a little bit, but just your, your ability to be vulnerable and open about, about your life is really attractive. I really want oh, to thank, thank you for you. being on the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I think it's gush away. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so you were very clear that you suffered from depression and anxiety and, uh, you know, all, and, and even kind of problems with eating. You're very open about that in the book. How old were you when you first, looking back now, first sort of were struggling with 
uh, mental and emotional health. So looking back now that I have the insight, it was happening a little bit in my childhood, a little bit more in my teens. But the summer after high school was my perfect storm. So um, my best friend was killed. This was just after we graduated high school. All of my friends, of course, were moving away, going to college. So that was like my support system, which was two weeks after he was killed. Yeah. My karate school closed down, which I had been in, like I said, since I was 10 years old. And then there tends to be this pattern where quirks tend to manifest in like late teens, early 20s. So it all kind of clobbered me at once. I attributed it to grief at the time. It wasn't until about, uh, and it's tough to say right now, but approximately six months to a year later, I started realizing, oh, this isn't grief. Something else is going on here. Yeah. It's it's lasting too long. It's it's not going away. And, And there was a very clear line where I could notice the difference between my grief cry (laughs) in my depression, I could feel a difference. Another thing that's going to sound crazy is the grief felt cleaner. Mm. It's not going to make sense to most people, but it felt cleaner. And I was crying for him. The other side was not that it was a, it was a, a black puddle pulling me in and with no bottom. It took some time to kind of delineate that line. But, uh, once I recognized that it was pretty clear that, uh, they were two separate things going on. Yeah. Thank you for that distinction. That mm-hmm. I, I find that really helpful and I'm, I'm hoping that the listeners do too. And, and I loved what you said about the grief being for the other person. That's, that's my experience of grief as well, that it does, it does feel clean. And I feel better at the end of a grief jag. I feel more open. I feel more connected. I feel tired, but I feel even a little more hopeful, which is strange. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that we all have to go through. There's no getting around grief. You can mask it with drugs, but at some point, mm-hmm. even, you know, even if you do the drugs for two years, once you come off, you have to go through that grief. This is not an optional thing. And it's part of life. The depression, however, I say this a lot, but I, I believe it's true. There are a lot of different types of depression. And I, I talk about them as different flavors in my book. And that, Depression may be unique to you, but the one thing that unifies all of it is we can all get, get over it. We can all get through it. And I really believe conquer it. I, I honestly, sincerely believe that. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, that's another characteristic of you and your book is just this faith in uh, everybody's ability to, to at least chip away at it. Yeah. Like we'll oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, sh- I should note, you know, it's not like a, um, it's not going to be a cure-all thing where you immediately go from you know zero to ten, but the idea was see, I was writing it for the 18, 19 year old me, where when I was at my absolute bottom, okay, 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 what can I do to chip away at this? And that's the idea because once you start seeing that little bit of progress, right, that's like you said, it gives you that hope, right? So that was you know one of the ways I approached it was like just getting you from a a three to a seven. Really the bottom line of the book is it's going to take work, but it's still going to take work even after the book. But it's really there to kind of get you out of that very bottom, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great, because our listeners know I've struggled with anxiety and depression as well. And that was sort of my question when I was looking over 
the book description because I haven't gotten to read it yet. But, you know, like, how do you even get people from a one to a three? Because Mm -hmm. when you're really in that dark place and emotionally exhausted, taking any steps toward doing something good, I'll, I'll own it when I'm in that place, taking any steps to do something good for myself it's really hard. It's really hard to get that initial momentum going. And then once the three to seven, it's like you're starting to see results and you're starting to, uh-huh. you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm getting a little bit of energy back. And with that little bit of energy, I can parlay that and whatnot. What do you say to people who are are stuck in, in that inertia? Sure. Well, we, we should point out that depression and anxiety mm-hmm. travel the same pathways in the brain, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why we tend to talk about depression yeah. and anxiety in the, in the same breath, right? So getting started is the hardest part. Absolutely. I tried to tackle that within the first two chapters of getting that mindset correct. I really feel like I needed that when I was going through it. I needed somebody who had experienced it telling me that it can be better as opposed to all the stupid things people actually told me. Right. It's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Shut up. Yeah. Right. Or my big one is, oh, it could be worse. And I write about that in the book. I I had a million people say it could be worse. And then I was like, oh, it can be worse than this. Now. That's depressing. (laughs) Right. That's depressing. Like I already, I'm already at my wit's end. It can be worse than this. So like, what I would like to hear is it can be better. Mm. That's what I wanted to hear. Right. So I'm there. That's why I wrote this first two chapters. It was like, guys, it can be better. Here's your fuel. This is what we're going to need to do. It's going to take work. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not going to be a silver bullet. And I, and I lay it out there. That's the hardest part. I, it, like you said, is, is just getting that little bit of inertia going. I, I do want to give this little tip before I forget. If you, if anyone loves somebody with depression, I think one of the best things you can do is say, hey, would you mind coming to this yoga class with me? I'm a little nervous about this. Would you mind coming with me? Mm. Uh, Because you're going to give that person that little bit of a boost because they're going to be like, oh, I'm doing this guy a favor. So like they're nervous. They need me to be there. Right? Yeah. Very sneaky. (laughs) And then you're going to get them moving their body. You're going to get them learning new things and having fun. You're going to get them, you know, exploring at the very least meditation, which comes at the, the end of class traditionally. And also you're going to get them in that, that social environment where you typically don't have a lot of jerks in a yoga school, right? So you're going to have a bunch of nice people around. So you're going to get all these things in kind of one shot. And that may be like that thing that kind of shakes them loose, so to speak, right? And gets them just kind of seeing things outside of that little circle they're in, that, that little pit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something in our relationship, we kind of have an agreement. I don't know that we've ever vocalized it. But if one person says, let's go for a walk, the other person can't refuse. I guess we can't. I guess we have refused once or twice. Very rarely. Very rarely. Very rarely. We all go, no, I don't want to. Okay, I'm putting my shoes on. Yeah. 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 I guess I guess the question is, do you want to go for a walk? And And the answer is always no. no, And and, I'm putting my shoes on. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's great. Yeah. 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 And I you know, I think just to to talk a little bit more about the book, the official depression relief playbook. Um, you know, you mentioned that the first section is on mindset and you, you talk a lot about, you know, the the barriers to change. You talk about how depression 
you know, decreases our ability to hope, decreases our ability to live in the present. It, depression and anxiety make up all kinds of uh, fears about the past and or, or, you know, grief about the past and fears about the future. You also said that it decreases our ability to remember things. That it, that it actually affects memory so that if you make a promise to yourself the day before about how you're going to be better, if you're depressed, you're more likely to forget it the next day. And then, of course, it just, you know, decreases physical energy so dramatically. So you spend a lot of time in that first part of the book kind of preparing us to understand the challenges of depression. And you don't you don't exactly that first part doesn't exactly it's not tough love, but it's um it's, I guess it's a reality check. You provide a really great loving reality check to like what, what the challenge is going to be. And like yeah. you said earlier, you do make it clear that it's going to take some work to, to, I don't know how, what's your preferred phrase? Do you like live with depression, conquer depression, overcome depression? How do you, how do I don't you like live it? with, mm. I don't like live with, but you know, overcome, conquer. I'm at that point where I feel like I've conquered it. Um, maybe that's a little strong because I'm not going to give up what I do. Conquer almost feels like it's something that I killed the dragon. You finish. And I'll never have to worry about it again. Right. It can't come back. Yeah. If you stop doing what you do, it would come back. Maybe. I don't know. But luckily all these things that I do or all the things in the book are good for anybody. (laughs) They're just, they're just healthy habits Mm -hmm. and they happen to also be these like depression killers. Right. So one of the nicest compliments I got was from um, a therapist who, who recommends my book to people. And she was like, man, this is just really good advice for anybody. And I was like, ah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me let me just run through the chapter headings real quick. So positive mindset. I can't remember. The, I don't think this is the chapter heading for chapter two, but it's about taking small steps, setting goals and taking small steps, exercise and yoga, nutrition, supplements, therapy meds, clothing and grooming, meditation, Mm -hmm. and choosing the right media. And yeah, that's a that's a prescription for anybody, no matter how healthy or unhealthy they are to live a better life. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Zach Rutledge. If content like this, if content around mental health and overcoming challenges and finding ways to be uh, happy and secure and, you know, more functional in your life is of interest to you. We definitely want to recommend you check out episode 85, how to be a victor, not a victim with Fatima Oliver. That episode is about how she overcame significant trauma and depression so that she could be of use to her family and in helping others to heal. She's a big inspiration. You can also check out episode 76, How to Be 88% Happy with Dr. Marissa Pei. Dr. Pei is kind of a happiness guru, and she guides us through her approach toward reframing unhappiness and disconnect to uh, come up with a way to be 88%, not not perfectly, not 100%, but 88% happy. Pretty darn good happy. You can get all this goodness all the time if you subscribe using the button on your podcast app or go to here-together.us slash join to get quick email notifications when a new episode drops, or you can follow us on the socials. And now back to our conversation with Zach Rutledge. So Zach... Part of what I'm part of my passion is uh, working with men to overcome 
to, to help men get out of the man box. And one of the elements of the man box is to not ask for help, to not be vulnerable, to not express emotions, uh, and to police anybody else, men in particular, police anybody else who displays weakness, anybody who expresses doubt or concern about themselves. What's it been like for you as as a guy to be really, really open, clear and vulnerable about mental health issues? What's it been like for you? Have people been receptive to it? Has it caused any blowback? Right. I'm, I'm a man. So I have both emotions, happy and anger, right? Right. Right. <laughs> both yeah. emotions. Or sometimes it's just silence and anger. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, um luckily we live in a world now with you know the internet that it's been a lot easier to at least find those people who are more receptive i was on another podcast that was not quite as receptive which was kind of funny considering they knew what i did <laughs> like they knew what the book was about and this person essentially was was saying what a lot of people were telling me at the time man up and since the internet wasn't as big around, as big as it is now, you know, 20 years ago, there was a lot of that going on. Yeah. But, but there has definitely, absolutely been a big difference these days. I mean, and I wasn't like a, a macho dude swimming in those circles. Like I still play in like punk rock bands and like, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm out like, uh, I, I don't know, hunting and doing whatever. I, I, I don't know what manly guys do, but. <laughs> well, they're, they're personal trainers. And the personal training experts. Yeah. That's, that's what manly. That's what manly men do. Is that what they do? All I right. So. Well, I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's been nice the past few years. It's it's it has been a noticeable difference over over the, the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. And has that made any any difference for you? I mean, twenty years ago, you were figuring everything out on your own, ideally with your your family doctor. Yeah, uh, there wasn't a lot of stuff to figure out on the internet. There weren't a ton of online self-help groups or, or peer counseling groups? Has it, has it made it, has it made a difference to, to, to have it be, to have mental health and depression and anxiety be out in the open? I would not have written this book, uh, for sure. I, so I think that's proof right there. Look, I'm going on a bunch of podcasts and showing my face like that, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't want to, um, I don't want to give people like false hope if they're listening and they're, and they're going out there and spilling their guts, there's probably going to be some pushback. Um, like I even still got some, um, but it's nothing like it was. The world is a better place for it now, for sure. I'm loving this conversation and I relate to it, even though, I don't know, I'm a little bit in the man box. I'm kind of a dude, you know, and I come from a family that the women all use power tools and mow the lawn and, you know, are not especially enamored of feminine qualities. And so I I have to watch all of that stuff, too. And, you know, there I was raised by Lutherans, I always say. And you, I don't know, I guess most religious traditions are about sucking it up and being uh being tough and not complaining and whatever. So, so. I mean, so this is something you and I haven't talked about. Excuse mm -hmm. me for just one second, Zach, as I talk to my wife. But what's, <laughs> I mean, so what messages come up in your head about, you know, seeing a, seeing a mental health provider, you know, being on mm -hmm. meds, struggling, do, does shame or, or suck it up 
show up for you? Oh, sure. I mean, I think everybody in my family is, you know, has had depression, but nobody talked about it. And, you know, later in life, my mom's sisters got on meds and I don't know, like everybody's on meds and and some people are doing a lot better. I'm still I, I haven't found the right place, but I am also not doing I've done a ton of yoga and other things, but I'm not doing anything now. And so that's part of my problem, I'm sure. But it's mostly in my family, just like not talk about it. You know, just don't talk about it. And it's a common story, right? Mm-hmm. Especially for, you know, people over 30. <laughs> you know, you just don't talk about it. Your parents never talked about it. Yeah. 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 And I don't think, I don't remember people, I don't remember it being looked down on necessarily. It was more of a, let's just not talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, that you know, your book doesn't even, it's kind of, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because your book doesn't even really bother with whether there's stigma or not. You know, it's not, there's no like rah, rah. I mean, the, the first messages in the, in the introduction are, you know, just the fact that you're reading this book is a good sign and it goes from there. And so, I mean, you know, maybe we're just, maybe Kelly and I are even just a little bit behind the times, even, even worrying about uh, Mm. stigma around mental health at this point. And at least your, the way you approach it is just so matter of fact, it kind of reminds me Mm -hmm. of Susan Bratton talking about, talking about sex and intimacy, just really straightforward. And this is, this is a thing. And like I said, you don't sugarcoat it. Uh, You make it really clear that it's going to be a challenge. And I'm just kind of curious, what's, what's the most lately for you, what's been the most actionable tip? What's been the most actionable approach that's been making a big difference for you in your life? Um, Okay. Well, this is going to sound silly again. I work on paper. Nice. Like my scheduler is all on paper, but also, you know, I keep a daily, I have a daily list of things that I want to get through every single day. And I actually made copies of it because it's way easier for me as opposed to writing out these, however many things I made copies of it. So I go through that every single day. And then I have my, um, like things that are unique to that time. So if my daily is listed, then things that are whatever's popping up in my life that I need to accomplish, I write that on the other side and I cross those off. Right. That's kind of been like the glue that's, that's held everything together. Cause it works really well because number one, I get that satisfaction of crossing things off. It's in the real world. I can see it. It's done. And two, when I go to bed, I get to see everything that I've done, all these things crossed out. And even if I only get through half of it, whatever, I got through like half of this sheet. That looks pretty cool, right? And then I throw it away and do the same thing next day. But like, it's, it's, it's just been a really nice thing that just kind of keeps me grounded. And I treat it like a pilot. Uh, let me explain that. So when something goes wrong for a pilot, they're not like, oh, okay, uh, what should I do? Uh, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do this. No, they have a checklist. And they say, okay, is it this? No. Is it this? No. Is it this? Yes. Cross it off, right? So they go through that. That's how I view this little sheet of paper. It's been, it sounds ridiculous, but it's, it's held me together. Whenever things start to go, you know, sideways, I just go back to my sheet of paper and be like, okay, let me knock a few of these things out. I'll feel a little bit more like there's some weight off my shoulders and go about my day. Just, just to clarify what's on there. Yeah. Um, you know, number one, I have water. I start every single day 
Well, at first I brush my teeth and then I have a big tall glass of water and I know I'm going to drink the water every morning. It's not a big hill to climb. Right. But I'm drinking that water and it's setting that positive intention. Right. And it's getting everything sorted out. So great. Cross it off. I start the day with a win and then I know I'm going to eat a healthy breakfast and take these three supplements. Right. Great. Cross them off. That's another win. Cool. I'm already off to a great start. Then I go on and then I'll have things like my workout, things like that. Little stretches that are particular to me. So, you know, just all really actionable things really. And it's been, it's been great. Love it. I love that too. And it, what kind of floated into my head while you were describing it of, of the kinds of things that you put on your everyday list is just as a demonstration of your commitment to taking care of yourself. And I think, you know, what I do and what probably so many people do is, you know, we got to run around, we got to, we got to do things for work. We got to do things for our family. We got to do things for other people. And then the stuff that is about taking care of our physical bodies and our, our mental wellness, our emotional wellness, those things fall by the wayside. So one of the things that Charles and I have been really working on is to, is to, make decisions about things and and put them on autopilot like i've got a month of menu planned out so we are we we know what the menu is going to be for dinner for a whole month and then we can swap it out if we need to but the decision has been made so it makes shopping easier it makes cooking easier and keeps the amount of pizza being ordered right we don't yeah yeah, we because it's been decided and so it sounds like you've decided on you know the fundamental things that you need in order to be well and writing them out or copying them off every day prioritizes those things so that you then have the fuel to do the other things for the other people in your world it's also good for like just not wasting time. Mm. Like, I, cause I, I see like, oh, I got this checklist of stuff that's really going to feed me or really help other people or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's a good way to keep me kind of on track, doing things that really matter to me as opposed mm-hmm. to getting sucked into social media or, or whatever. Mm. But yeah, like you were saying, you know, taking care of yourself. Imagine if everyone's on a plane, it's filling with smoke and nobody puts that mask on themselves. Right. Right. They're only putting it on other people. It's like, well, uh, we're going to be missing a lot of people, right? Yeah. 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 I really like the the daily checklist, the daily self-care checklist, because I forget. I mean, I know, you know, all of the all of the tips, all of the exercise, yoga, meditation. I know we all mm, know we all know how, mm-hmm. how but impactful do we do they it? are. No. Um, but the idea <laughs> of having a little form, a little checklist form that's that has me, you know, meditating for 10 minutes, stretching for 10 minutes twice a day. Just that. And, and of course, mm-hmm. drinking water and eating vegetables. I mean, that, that would be, a, I think, I think I'd be a whole new guy. That would be a really go good product it. to go with the book is a pad that has those things on the one side and then space on the other for the other, you know, to do you know, today things. I Marketing, baby. <laughs> I thought of it. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I don't know how many people need to stretch their hip flexors every day. So, right. And like the things that are very particular you know, to me. So that's why I didn't include it. But I did think about it. Mm. Oh, to go back a little bit, this is a little bit out of order, but you mentioned earlier the idea that there are different flavors mm-hmm. of depression, the different types. And, and both Kelly and I love that 
for some reason, the word flavors, maybe just because it makes it sound a little more fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they all taste bad, but <laughs> just kidding. What are, what are, what are some of the, what are some of the different flavors of, of depression and maybe some of the ones that are surprising that people wouldn't necessarily label as depression? It's weird because I, I said flavors in the book, but I, I kind of saw them as colors or felt them mm -hmm. as colors. Sounds weird. So like the first one was black. The next one was white, which was like almost to me, it was like this, this series of months of false hope. And then I had, you know, years later, it was this orange, this weird orange. It was weird. It was very weird. One thing was, I think I talk about this briefly in the book. I took Salpimento, which... Uh, apparently, if you have severe depression, you should not be taking that because I, I read it was like a, a mood booster, but only for people with like like mild depression, which I don't even know how we can score that. But I started taking that for not very long because I remember being at a stoplight and it felt like that green burning plastic, you know, that smell of burning plastic. That's what it felt like. It felt just like this nasty chemical. So. Uh, so I stayed away from that, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, the, the whole point of that is, is, you know, just recognizing that nobody's depression is the same. And, and, you know, there's a bunch of different types and, that, and that's fine. And I mentioned that because when I was going through it, I thought, well, mine is special. My depression's special, right? Mine isn't treatable because mine is this severe. It's like, well, guess what? Theirs is just as severe, just in a different flavor. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. 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 That makes a ton of sense to me. And I think of colors as flavors anyway. So like there's, oh, I forget what it's called. Synesthesia. Thank you. I was yeah, pareidolia. No, yeah. that's seeing faces and everything. I like that realization because one of the things about being in depression is being incredibly self-centered and self-focused and to recognize that other people have whatever their problem is, whatever their depression is, is just as valid, even if it doesn't look the same. That's yeah. that's helpful in in getting a little bit of a toehold to get out of the hole. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to go back to talking about the book and and, you know, your the way you are looking to help people and you, you talk about the, the D-Day method. Can you describe, mm. can you describe the D-Day method for dealing with depression? Yeah. So that basically just means coming at it from, with everything, from every angle. If I could from rename sky, it, I would. From the water, from the ground. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Now I'm thinking it's kind of morbid and I should have named it something else, but that was the best thing I could think of at the time was it's it a D-Day approach. Yeah. It sticks in my head for sure. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's everything. So we're coming at it from everything. And, and, the way it felt to me when I combine things, it's like two plus two equals six type thing. It's this compound effect when you have all these things like this synergistic effect um, and not relying on the silver bullet. Uh, we, were, we talked very briefly about uh, medication, you know, in Kelly's family. I have a friend who has very severe anxiety. And he was talking to his psychologist and primary care doctor who were both saying, hey, you should really try, you know, this medication. You should try it. You should try it. And I said, well, maybe you should. And he did. And we talked on the phone. He's like, you know, I feel better, but I'm not like, I don't feel like all the way better. 
And I was like, well, yeah, dude, you got to do the work. Like, that's mm-hmm. just one thing. That's just from the sea, mm-hmm. so, so to speak, right? So exactly. like, you still need to come at it from the air and from the land and all these other things. So that was why I say the D-Day approach, right? We're coming at it from, from all angles. Everything we can think of, we're, we're using it. Yeah. And the people that you, that you talk to, you work with, how hard is it to sell that approach? And I know you're not really selling it, but how hard is it to convince people to do that? Because, man, we're Americans. Just give mm-hmm. us the silver bullet. Just mm-hmm. give us the supplement. Just we want give a us, pill. Give us the one thing. Um, are, are people open to the D-Day approach? Typically, by the time they talk to me, they are, um, I don't want to say desperate, but they've tried the one or two things. And then, you know, it's funny. Oh, well, I've, I, there's no hope for me. I, I tried med- meditation or medication or yoga or, and they'll just name like one or two things. I tried that and, it's, and there's no hope for me. They I'll tried them in, a, a in, in series instead of all at once. Yeah. Well, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Or they just tried one or two things and that was it. But yeah, they didn't, they didn't like come at it with everything in them. And you have to do it. You have to commit and come at it with everything in you. That doesn't mean disregarding everything outside of you, disregarding work and disregarding your family and all that kind of stuff. But you're going at this with all you've got. And it has to be that way because you know the pressure that that depression can push against you. It's not like it's not a small step. So you've got to you've got to clobber this thing with everything you've got from every angle. Yeah, it will push back for sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The def- yeah. defenders are dug in on the beach. They've got, uh, they got machine guns. They got, mm-hmm. uh, they got, mm-hmm. they got hopelessness. They got uh, forgetfulness. They got all the weapons on the beach there. Exactly. And, and it depends on, I guess, I'm sure people listening, you know, everybody might attribute depression to different things. And I, mm. and, and they can all be true. Um, I've talked before about my parfait model of the universe so that, you know, on on different levels, if you're looking at kind of like different horizontal strata, I, I believe that that you can have different realities on these different levels and they're both true. Um, Absolutely. One of the things that might sound controversial and people might not like it, but I think is true for me is that a big part of my depression is my story. Mm-hmm. And that Absolutely. I will, you know, I ch- I tried meds. I felt great for a little while. And then I backslid into feeling the same as I always do. Whenever I make a change, I'm like, oh, this is great. I feel it. And then I always slide right back to where I was it, because I have not changed the the story that's at the core of who I am. Yeah. Now, you I know. would argue that that's part of it. It's not all of it. Right. And, and that's my, that yeah, people. that's my parfait thing. You know, it's like, that's right. true. That's absolutely true on one level. What's also uh-huh. true is I can change all of this. Mm-hmm. You know what? My biology is true on one level. Mm-hmm. You know, my, all, Genetics, all of these things are true and age. they, yeah. And they don't have to necessarily, they can be contradictory and still all true. Yeah. So, so one thing I, I tell people, you know, because there, there's a lot of chatter going on from people who research this stuff, but don't necessarily get it because they didn't live it. So there, there's a big one right now. The, the big push is probiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because you create 90 to 95% of your uh, serotonin in your gut and Mm -hmm. not your brain. Okay. Yes. So that's part of it, giving you the probiotics. It's not all of it. Right. So if we were to give you those probiotics, maybe there is something, Mm -hmm. you know, a little off in your gut, whatever. We're we're getting you from that two to that three. Right. Again, back to that D-Day approach. Okay. So let's do that along with some psychotherapy, along with yoga, Mm -hmm. along with whatever. I mean, there are some, there are people who believe that depression is brought on Again, this is part of it, not all of it. They think it's brought on by inflammation in the body, which is why I always recommend, you know, dialing in your diet, not just getting in all these great foods, but avoiding the ones that don't agree with you. So I always say, I tell everyone, everyone I mean, <laughs> get an allergy test, find the foods that don't agree with you. For me, it's very apparent. If I have a glass of milk, it's not going to end well. So I know the foods that aren't going <laughs> It'll to It'll all end in tears, as Malcolm it's, Gladwell says. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I had, I, okay, here we go. We're getting <laughs> here we real go, on this here one. We go. <laughs> so I had some stuffed shells the other night, which was a terrible idea, but mm. I was starving and somebody gave them to me and it was all I had and did not end well. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I believe you. Um, and I wasn't happy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, some people think it's, it's low vitamin D levels, right? Which correlation not necessarily causation, but hey, well, here in the Northeast, a lot of people have low vitamin D. Let's get the vitamin D back up. So again, it's this, it's this D-Day approach that I just, I really, truly believe in. You know, we're coming at it from everything. Even if, even if just one of these things moves the dial a little bit forward, maybe it can clear your mind a little bit better. You know, maybe you're not in that doom and gloom 100% of the time. Maybe now it's just 80% of the time, you know? Right. And you're freeing up a little bit of energy to do that next piece. To do the next. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for listening to this conversation. Every week, you have access to fascinating and fun information on our guests' background, related topics, and sometimes a podcast or two in our show notes. This week, you'll find a list of key takeaways from this episode, links to Zach's awesome book, and more information about the Myers-Briggs assessment, including a link to a free version. You can always find the latest show notes at here-together.us slash pod for the latest episode, or go to here-together.us slash library for links to show notes from our full catalog, our growing catalog. Yes, our burgeoning catalog of of episodes. episodes. And just as a reminder, we ask every guest to provide us and you with a science assignment, and you'll get to hear Zach's in a second. The science assignment is intended to be something that everyone can complete over the course of a week, something to do every day for a week to just see, to do an experiment. Yeah, try to just something on and see what happens. See if it changes your life, ideally for the better. And also as a reminder, we do, we're, we're accountable to you as you know. Well, you'll find out later why, find why, out why I'm so in accountable. The next episode. <laughs> and, and, yep. We're accountable to you. And so we report back on our science experiment mm-hmm. every Sunday morning. We go live on Facebook to talk about whether or not we took on the science, how much we took on. What happened. What happened, what we noticed. Yeah, and we what really, we learned. And we want to call it the community science report mm-hmm. because we 
love hearing from you all about whether or not you tried it on, whether or not you hesitated, whether or not you embraced it wholeheartedly and what you got out of these little bits as well. Mm -hmm. Our firm, firm belief is that living and being a full on, full fledged, awesome human being involves some work like zach is saying yeah so let's take it on and let's do it together because it's so much easier with a buddy oh my gosh yeah and we yeah we help each other and it makes it um, more meaningful more fun less scary 100 percent. okay now back to wrap up the show and like i said get zach's science assignment and it's a it's a really doable one Yes, indeed. If you can count to four and draw a square in your mind, you'll take to this week's science right away. Yeah, Yeah, you know, I think, yeah, the D-Day approach does make a ton of sense. And, you know, I can imagine for anybody listening that it sounds really daunting, like, oh, come on, Zach, just tell me I can just take a pill. Mm-hmm. Just tell me I can just mm-hmm. do this particular kind of yoga move. Uh, and it's, and it's going to be okay. It'll fix everything. It'll fix everything. Yeah. But something that, something that jumped out at me, uh, uh, just a paragraph that jumped out at me from your book is this, it says, um, remember you are now a warrior. You are not just doing this for yourself, but for others as well. A sense of responsibility can drive us to work harder on ourselves. Just be sure to not beat yourself up too much if you don't get it right immediately. Once again, it's a journey. Mm. So what is it about? What is it? What do you mean doing it for other people? What do you mean not just doing it for yourself? It's pretty clear when you're when you're dragging other people down. You know, actually, no, I rescind that. It's not very clear to you when you're in the depths that you're dragging other people down. It's very clear when you're on the other end, right? So now I can see that, you know, if I see the family and there's, there's the one girl or the one whoever sucking the rest of them down, right? Maybe that's a little bit of waking people up to, hey, you know, this is affecting other people as well. And, you know, once you realize that, of course, nobody wants to drag down the people they love. So... Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's such a good fit for what we talk about on the podcast all the time. This idea that we do personal work, we do self, self, uh, care, self actualization -actualization so that we can be in better relationship. So we don't drag other people down so we can lift Mm -hmm. other people up so that we can be of service and be engaged in the world. So this, that, I think that's why that paragraph just jumped out of me, putting, putting the struggle in context, right? Like D-Day was not just about throwing a bunch of poor kids from Iowa and Chicago on a beach in front of a bunch of machine guns. It was about liberating Europe. Um, yeah. And so like, yeah, is there Doing something we, hard yeah. for the betterment of all? Yeah. And I'm speaking to myself in this too. It's, you know, I don't, I don't struggle with depression as much as Kelly does, but I, you know, I'm not fine. You know, COVID's mm-hmm. a, COVID in the 21st century fucking suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am overweight and not healthy. And I have big uh, ambitions and plans that are not going to be served by me being overweight and unhealthy. So it's like what I'm taking away from your book is that same approach, that same D-Day approach. And, and that's what I've been doing. I just mm-hmm. I just had a session with an EMDR therapist last night working on my, oh, right on. my ideas around eating. Uh, I just signed up for that's the other thing I did today. I signed up for some personal coaching online, mm. personal coaching for for exercise and activity. So, nice. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take on that D-Day approach to, you know, to liberating, <laughs> liberating Europe in my own body. <laughs> and I, I love and it. And I'm motivated yeah. because, you know, it's like 
it's a lot of work and there's a mm-hmm. lot of emotions that come up and a lot of shame and embarrassment and hopelessness mm-hmm. just coming up around that stuff. And to be motivated for something bigger than myself really keeps me going for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would argue that all these things are kind of like fun though. Like a lot of these things that I write in the book, they're just like, you know, I, I mean, I, that's one of my passions is exercise, but I do give like a list of, of uh, just activities that don't feel like exercise. So like everything from hiking to cycling to like pickleball, you guys know what pickleball oh, is? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, li- yeah. we live I in just, a, re- we live in a basically a retirement community. So yeah. The, okay. the, the median age in Prescott is like 58. So there's a lot of yeah. pickleball going on. We're younger than the median age. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I just moved across the street from a pickleball court. So oh, I'm like super sweet. stoked. So yeah. If you don't know what it is, listeners, look it up. Yeah. It's really fun. Right. But that's my point is like a lot of these things in this book, once you start moving on it, you, you enjoy, you enjoy it. Like I enjoy going through my list. So it's, it's work, but it's, it can be fun work. It's rewarding work too. Yeah. 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 That's really clear from your book that, that you find the experimentation really fun, that you really sort of encourage. Uh, I mean, you call it a playbook. I guess we were going to talk about that earlier. Mm, Why yeah. do you call it a playbook rather than a handbook or just a book? A workbook. A workbook. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, playbook just sounded more fun than workbook, right? Yeah. Nobody wants yeah. to do a, a workbook. That's from school. But I did want to be clear that it, it's this is actionable. That's the most important thing to me is like, you know, getting people doing things as opposed to just getting a few ideas, having them sit in your mind for a while. I don't know what the percentage is that uh, like the average person forgets after they read. So like if I read a, a book of, you know, a for, for sake of ease, a hundred pages, am I going to forget 80 of those pages? Like, I, I don't know, but you're not going to remember the entire book. Right. And you're not going to remember all these ideas that stick with you, but you know, you may have some of these habits, these actionable things stick with you. And it's also the, just the satisfaction of, I briefly tell this story in the book, so I'm five, nine and 170 pounds, which is like nothing. Right. But I'm, I'm also a personal trainer. So I'm relatively fit. Right. But at the time, five, nine, when when depression first hit me, five, nine, 124 pounds. So I was almost 50 pounds lighter, but the actionable thing, one of the first things I started doing was, you know, lifting weights, building this muscle and seeing myself build this muscle. It was fun. And it was that total sense of satisfaction throwing on this extra 10, 15, 20, 25 pounds of muscle, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, like I ha- I can make a, like an actual difference here. Like what else can I do? Mm. So th- that was, that was part of the, the playbook thing. Yeah. What a great well, positive spiral. Yeah. yeah. And I like the idea of the playbook in kind of a, a sports way too, of like, again, pre-deciding some things, mm. you know, creating these plays based on all of these different options you give people, you know, it's like, okay, well, say you you want to eat well, you want to exercise, you want to do all of these things, and you run into a, a problem, you hurt your knee or something, or you find out, well, I can't eat dairy or whatever. It's like you, you make pl- all these different plays that are part of your playbook, and that allows you the flexibility, just like our menu. It's like, okay, well, we've got, we had sushi on the menu for tonight, but we're recording a podcast, so we don't have time to make sushi. So we're swap that out, 
the thing that we were going to make on Saturday is quick and easy salmon burgers and veg. We're going to have that tonight. Mm, you know, it's like yummy. it's all our menu is like a playbook of all of mm-hmm. these different options. It's like, OK, well, I, that won't work, but this will. And in any moment when you're running into resistance or scheduling conflicts or whatever, it's like, oh, I've got a different play that will work better here. And I like that kind of framework for it. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should, just like you said, it doesn't have to go in order. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you can pick and choose just like you said. Yeah, I should have said that in the book, huh? Uh, second edition yeah next edition yeah (laughs) let me just let me just read the chapter headings again just to give people a sense of you know kind of what the different options are Mm -hmm. what the different plays are available they don't have to be in any order but a lot of stuff on mindset a lot of stuff on on goal setting and lists exercise and yoga and nutrition supplements therapy meds clothing and grooming we talked about that which is really about self-respect and authenticity and uh, meditation and media. So check out all those different plays in the official depression relief playbook by Zach Rutledge. Right. And like what we always do is, is to consider things as a science and we'll ask you for your science in a minute. Um, but being willing to, as the title suggests, to play, to play with these ideas, I can imagine would really contribute to finding a combination approach that works. Mm-hmm. Have you been surprised, yeah. Zach, by some of the the ways people have combined the different approaches and uh, elements of D-Day that you've been, you know, when you've been working with people? I've had, this is more of like a, like an ask. I've had a lot of people tell me that they were combining. I have this, like you said, this chapter on positive media thing. And they were listening to like these like self-help books while they were outdoors cycling. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. That's like, that's so dangerous. So that's like the one that sticks out to me. I'm sure you want like a good answer, but that's the one where I'm like, guys, no, 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 please listen to it. Like, you know, in a safer setting, like don't listen to stuff when you're riding your bike. I feel like I got to be clear about that. (laughs) Stationary bike, positive, positive. Yeah, uh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. So Zach, just let's say, you know, Everybody who suffers from depression and anxiety buys your book and they, everybody comes up with their own kind of personalized set of plays and that they take up the calling to be a warrior in their own life, in their own mental and emotional health. What does the world look like in, in 10 years? What is it? What is, what color is it? What is it? (laughs) What flavor is it? What flavor is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then we have the full rainbow, right? Yeah. Uh, And then. That's funny because when I, um, when I, when I first like fell off the cliff, I guess, with depression, the first thing that felt like happened was I felt like I lost my ability to see color. I felt like everything went to black and white. I know that doesn't, I know that sounds weird. Again, I know that sounds weird, but when you live through it, it's like, this is, this is you know, a safe, I, this is a safe zone for weirdness. Definitely. <laughs> you don't know that by no. now. Yeah. And it makes total sense. Yeah. So like, like I saw color, like if you gave me like one of those splotchy tests, I could figure it out. But like, like, you know how you get a certain feeling from certain color combos that was all gone. Right. 
So like, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I mean, you're, Kelly's, you're Kelly's, yeah, no. Kelly's nodding in her head. Yeah, I have it makes no idea sense. what you guys are talking about, but yeah. You know, like the, 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 the color combos of spring, let's say, mm-hmm. right. You associate the certain color combo with spring. Like I wouldn't even get that. It just wouldn't register on me. Yeah, it was, it was wild. And that's how I kind of knew that I was clawing my way back. It was when colors started feeling like things again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of wild. Uh, I totally forget what your question was. <laughs> the, the, your 10-year your vision. Oh, oh yeah. Like vision. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the problems we go through start at home. And I, I feel like there, there would be less domestic abuse, child abuse. There would be a lot less of that going on. There'd be a lot less, um, just like, I don't, I don't want to say meanness cause that doesn't sound heavy enough, but like, uh, like, like emotional abuse, like within, um, like when you're dating somebody you're married, right. Mm. Because a lot of the time people will say, I've heard this, that the anger is depression turned outward. Right. And once you start making people feel less than, then what happens? Their domino just got knocked down. Now, what are they going to do? Right. They might go out and start knocking over some other dominoes. So having everyone read this book, you know, may not happen and you, and you're still going to have people with the purely chemical, you know, Mm -hmm. going on. But I feel like we would, if we can get more and more people fighting the good fight, sounds silly, right? But what you guys are doing, right? Fighting the good fight and picking, lifting people up, right? Part of that personal responsibility is helping out other people. I mean, then it's just a big Mardi Gras party fun ball from there, right? Love it. Love it. Mardi Gras party fun ball. Can we name the episode that, please? I think we should name the podcast that. (laughs) Yes. The Mardi Gras party fun ball. Yeah, Mm. I think think your vision's great. Science? Yes, please. (laughs) Well, this entire podcast is a science, but do you have one little small thing that our audience can try on just as a, a specific challenge? Oh, man, there's so much I want people to do. So the biggest pushback I got was by far the meditation chapter because people would just say, I can't meditate. I tried it. I can't do it. Yep. All right. Well, it's like saying, you know, yeah, I tried surfing. I can't do it. Well, yeah, dude, you surfed once. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're not going to be able to do it. So like, it takes, takes work. Uh, so this is kind of like the on-ramp to meditation. This is going to get you there. So this is a cross between a concentration practice, a mindfulness practice, and a meditation. It's going to kind of get you in the right right direction that everyone can do. Have you guys heard of box breathing? Yes. Okay. Is that for anyone yeah. who's listening okay. and not watching? Can I can I explain it to them? Yes, yes please. please. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So box you want to breathe. box breathing. Be a box breathing. Yeah. Yes. So you want to breathe through our nose because when the air rushes over the back of our nasal cavity. It rushes over this, this cluster of nerves that activate our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest. Okay. So that's, that's number one. Number two, we want to make sure that we're breathing from our belly. So it's a diaphragm. So think about horizontal and not vertical. So it's not, it's not breathing up and down with your shoulders. It's in and out. Like, like think of like of a baby, right? Next, we want to Typically, we would close our eyes, we would breathe in for a count of four, hold it for a count of four, exhale for a count of four, hold it for a count of four. And for me, I visualize myself drawing that box. Nice. If you're having even a tough time doing that, maybe picture the numbers as well, maybe in the center of that box. So that way, at the very least, you're focusing 
on drawing that box or maybe the numbers, you're getting that physiological benefit going on. And you're also practicing. This is your on-ramp to meditation because when your mind wanders and it will wander, just bring it back. And then it wanders again, just bring it back to the box. That's your job. Do that for a week. Do it when you're calm. Eventually, you can do it before stressful events. But if you only do it before stressful events, your mind will build that association with, oh, I'm box breathing. I must be about to do something stressful, right? Uh-huh. So you want to do it when you're calm for a week. I mean, I would prefer people do this for longer than a week. Mm-hmm. But visualize the box. Bring the thoughts back. If you, you do that, that's your win. That's your meditation. Bringing the thoughts back. That's all you got to worry about. Do that. Let me know how you feel. <laughs> Love, it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea that just bringing, just bringing my thoughts back is a win. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I that is. I cut myself. Is, yeah. yeah and that's the, medi- that's, that's, that's the practice. Right. The I practice. was going to say like newsflash to all the people that is meditation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shh, don't tell them they'll freak out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Zach, what's, what's coming up next for you? You're, you're working on your, on your uh, licensed clinical social worker degree, right? Uh, close. It's LPC. So it's oh, counselor, okay. not social worker. Uh, okay. So, uh, I mean, it's basically the same thing. So, uh, doing that, I'm starting to shoot a movie in a couple of weeks. That was my first master's degree was in film. So I'm starting a movie in a couple of weeks and I'm getting married in October. Oh my goodness. It's a big year for you. (laughs) A lot going on. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And what's, what's the movie about? Can you tell us? Yeah. So the way we, the way we describe it is it's a cross between the big Lebowski, little miss sunshine and the full Monty. Oh my gosh. And I'll leave it at that. I want to see that movie. Yeah. Is Alan, is Alan Arkin naked in it? (laughs) Uh, We asked and, um, and he, he agreed. So yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, You heard it here, folks. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Zach Rutledge. Thank you so much for, for spending this time with us, especially uh, what's, you know, getting to be late at night for, for you on the, on the East coast there. Thank you so much for, for putting this book out and sharing all of that uh, hard-earned uh, yeah. and but also so sounds Wis- like wisdom, knowledge, enthusiasm, yeah. Yeah. all of the things. Kind of joyful experimentation. Yes. I hope I hope people who know, like you said, people who know somebody who's dealing with depression, people who are dealing with depression, go out and, and pick up that book, get it from the library, do whatever you got to do. Zach, mm-hmm. you said you don't care if you make any money on it. I think you're gonna. I think it's gonna make a big impact. It made yeah. an impact. It made an impact on me for sure. My my wish is that it, it's like the thing that's on people's bedstands, mm. so it gives them that hope, and it's the thing that, that people will read over and over. So again, if they're if they're forgetting a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. just keep it there. That's my wish, is and that and that this is going to be given to people. Yes, you know that's my wish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so if you know somebody who struggles with depression and anxiety, get them Zach's book and one of those little packs of Post-it tabs. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's perfect. <laughs> that would be a, that would be a really good gift. Yes, <laughs> but remember, do not read this book while you're on a bike. Yes, Please don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, thanks again. Thanks so much. Charles Kelly, thank you so much. This has been great. You guys are fun. This is awesome. Thank Yay. you. Mm, 
Damn it, Zach is so flippin' right. I so wanted a pill to be the solution to my mental state. And, you know, it helps. Maybe it's still helping, I'm not sure. But I haven't been exercising. I know that makes a difference. I haven't been meditating. I know that makes a difference. I haven't done yoga in ages, even though I produce a yoga video every week at work. I just want to sleep and be distracted by food and TV and reading and whatnot. Is that a, a like an F day strategy? An F day strategy? Oh yeah, sleeping, sleeping and being distracted. Yes, yeah, it is. It is a checkout zone strategy. You know, I've been able to hold on to one or two good plays here and there, but I just keep falling off the plan because no, no one or two things is enough to keep me on track and keep me feeling good. And then talking with Zach and seeing how well that D-Day strategy of just throwing everything at it works, it kind of gives me hope and makes me want to try again. I mean, every, you know, every guest we have just makes me want to try again. And I really connect with the checklist approach. That's definitely something that works for me. I use a checklist all the time, every, every day, every weekend. I use checklists to, to get things done and it, that really helps. I kind of want to design a notepad and get it printed and, you know, the gum at the top. So it's like a notepad that I can use over and over again with all the things, all the basics. I kind of want to design one for our pod shop just as a starter for everybody. And then, you know, you can kind of get your own made once you've figured out what your plays are. Charles, what did you take away from our talk with Zach? Well, before I talk about that, I just want to, you know, if we'd love to hear from you all, mm -hmm. if you'd find it useful to have access to a basic daily checklist with, you know, Kelly's beautiful designs on it, you know, let us know on social media, whether or not that's something you might pay, you know, five or eight or 10 bucks for, yeah. for, you know, a pad with, I don't know, six months worth of mm -hmm. daily checklist or something like that. Heck yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll, you know, I talk, I'll talk about, you know, my approach to the checklist here in a sec, but yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm taking away from Zach. He said early on was that distinction between grief and depression. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important distinction to make for a couple of reasons. One is that a lot of times people avoid grief intensely because they're afraid it's never going to stop. Right. We hear that from guys in particular mm -hmm. that we work with all the time. Like if I start crying, I'm never going to stop. And that's just not true. Grief right. does wash through and it leaves us cleaner. It's mm -hmm. like a, it's like a thunderstorm. Yeah. And if grief is lasting for longer than, than, you know, six months or something like that, then, then, you know, definitely need to work with a grief right. counselor or to make sure. if it doesn't sure. change over six months or a year. Yeah. 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 You know, find there are grief counselors who specialize in that and uh, you'll probably end up, you know, needing to do a little bit of D-Day work mm -hmm. around that grief to make sure that it doesn't turn into a rut of depression. Yeah. 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 And I had the realization while we were talking and you know, I didn't, I, there wasn't like a good moment for me to say this, but what I realized was that grief is an expression of love. If you love someone and they die, that makes us sad. It makes us miss them. It makes us feel 
the the fullness of that love that we have for someone, whether it's a person or a four-legged friend or whomever. But depression, I don't think, is an expression of love. I think it's it's being bogged down in fear and negative things and and it's negative kind of, negative stories and yeah, and, and negative beliefs and yeah from expressing the fullness of our love ah so, so grief is grief is an expression of love and depression keeps us mm-hmm. from expressing yeah, love grief is a measure of how much we love the thing we lost hmm. Hmm. yeah so to just go back to the checklist to go from you know like the sublime to the mundane mm, um, yeah you know I, I'm I if I'm gonna make a daily checklist whether or not you know you make me a beautiful one or not <laughs> because I, I'm struggling with the same things you are it's like mm-hmm. I know what to do I know how to make myself healthier I know how to mm-hmm. provide more energy for myself I know how to craft a life that feels grounded and intentional rather than just kind of bouncing along so that includes you know meditating for 10 minutes a day exercising five days a week drinking plenty of water getting five servings of vegetables those four things Mm -hmm. those four things right if i can check those off half the time Mm -hmm. i would be just uh, I don't really know how to describe, but I've, I've, I've had the feeling before. Like I know, I know what it's like to, to have, you know, done 10 minutes of meditation a day for a couple weeks and how inexplicably that just feels yeah, different. It shifts things. It, it really does. does. It does. And I know it does. Yep. It just, why? I don't know. Yeah. So speaking of, of making some changes to honor ourselves. Oh, right. We're going to spend August installing some more wood flooring, mm-hmm. getting more exercise, creating some meditation habits, playing with the podcasts, and mm. maybe even going for a device-free camping trip somewhere. And you're going to write your book? Yes, that too. I'm going to write my book, at least a significant chunk of it. We're going to spend August spending more time on our relationship, more time on our home, and more time on our physio, emotional, spiritual health. So we won't be releasing any new episodes of this podcast in August. We'll be back at the beginning of September with an interview with Micah Lawrence, an expert in applying the Gallup Strength Assessment to families and couples. His, his wisdom and information have, have already changed how Kelly and I talk to one another about what we need and want. So we really mm-hmm. look forward to releasing that episode. And, it was and, such a good conversation. We're very excited about it. Yeah. In the meantime, be sure to listen back to any of our previous 87 episodes and or check out the Remaking Manhood podcast, which will still be releasing two new interviews in August. And I can't say enough good stuff about the Remaking Manhood podcast. So please check it out. Put it in front of a man you love. Also, while you're waiting, we invite you to do some breathing exercises along with us every other guest on our show seems to recommend breathing exercises and mindfulness. So we're starting to get the idea that it's a good thing. And, you know, we're going to be working on that. So we'd like to know if you are too. Yeah, they can't, they can't all be wrong. Right. Right. We keep hearing it it, 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 over and over over again. Okay. We'll breathe for God's sake. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to embrace it. We're going to not complain. So hold us accountable, man. Hold us accountable. Check in with us. Ask us, ask us whether we've done any breathing or mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah. And also follow us on Instagram at RocketFeather1 and join us in the Here Together Community Lab on Facebook to contribute to the conversation, meet other like-minded hotties and stay engaged with these ideas. Mm -hmm. We'll still be going live every Sunday morning in August for our community science report. So we'll see you there. Yay. This is Charles Matthews and Kelly Roberge wishing you a playbook just bursting with great plays and the tenacity to apply them all. We We love love you. you. The Here Together podcast is a project of Rocket Feather Creative.